Psalm 20. Today I just want to talk about um, two things. And um, one is when God gets big, when we get big and God gets small, the next one is when God gets big and we get small. So let's just uh, read together Psalm 20 and we'll go from there. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make your plan succeed. We will shout for joy when you are victorious and will lift up our banners in the name of the Lord our God. May the Lord grant all he requests. Know, now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven with the saving power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. O Lord, save the king, answer us when we call. I guess the verse that I want to just build a little bit around is verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I don't know what happened to our printer this morning when it printed it out, but it's a little bit hard to read and I went to see my optometrist on Monday so, and he said my eyes are okay. So, <laughs> but the second page is really good so I'll start from there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so um, when God, when we get big and God gets small, what, what causes God in our lives to get small? We do. We do. God doesn't suddenly get small because he's the creator of the earth and all things and all things are in him and about him. So he doesn't just suddenly get small. So how does he get small to us? Well, we, we make him small. So how does it happen? How does God get small? Well, it could be um, a circumstance, a prayer that's not been answered the way that we want, it could be, and these are just some things, it's not an extensive list. It could be our finances. It could be a sickness, like uh, in either us or a family member or a friend. It could be relationships. It could be sin and suffering. And it could be fear of man. Those are just some things that could be operating in our life that could make God small. So if God is small, um, I just want to talk a little bit about what we, what we do. What we do when we operate in the place where, where God might be small. Um, I'm going to look up a few scriptures and we're also just going to quote some that I've written in my notes. But if you could turn your Bibles to Mark um, chapter 10. So I've got five things that to talk about when God gets small and then we're going to flip it and talk about five things when God gets big. 
when God is big, not gets. Number one, when God gets small or is small in our lives, we, we tend to stop listening. So if we read in um, Mark chapter 10 and verse 32, we'll just start from and read a few verses. Now they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way and the disciples were astonished or those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said. The Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests, the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later he will rise. Now I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how much gaps between the verse 34 and 35 but it says then. So I'm thinking if I was telling you a story and I got to a certain point and then if I was telling you a story about um, the Cowboys football team I would say and then they lost every game for the year because that's what seems to be happening. You know? So it's like it's, it's pretty close. So Jesus has just explained what's going to happen to him um, and immediately the disciples said, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do whatever we ask. Don't you just think that's weird? God's just, Jesus has just talked about what's going to happen to him and they've just, they, they, they're not listening. They're not listening because what they want is more important than what, what, what's happening. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in glory. I'm not going to read the rest of Jesus' response because um, that's just not where we are at the minute. I'm just wanting to point out that a lot of times when we get bigger and God gets smaller, we just, we just stop listening. We don't, we don't really hear what he wants to say to us. So I was just trying to think of an example and children are a great example of beings that don't listen. They just, they have selective hearing. You might say, I want you to do this and they say, yes, but. Who's ever heard their child say, yes, but? Anybody? Come on, you guys. (laughs) My children used to say, yes, but all the time. Yes, but I just need to do this. Or yes, but. Or they explain a reason why they need to do what you said, what they can't do. And have you heard yourself say, when, they, when you want them, or they ask you, can they do something, and you say no, but then yes, but, and you say to them, which part of the word no don't you quite understand? So they're not, sometimes children don't really listen. They hear you, but they're not really listening because their actions sort of go against what you've said no to or what you're asking them to do. So sometimes I think we operate like that with God. He would speak to us and we would say, yes, but. Yes, but. So we stop listening. Second thing is we put our focus and our energy into our plan. It becomes more important. Our plan becomes big in our thoughts. So we are consumed by what we want. When God becomes small, then we, in a way, we take over. It becomes about us. 
If you, um, like I am, we, sorry, not, better not use oil, I'll get in trouble. We are thinking about um, buying another car, okay? Not, not a business car, personal car. Um, so when you're thinking about buying something, replacing something, so this what happens to me, I don't know if it happens to you, you might be better, but a lot of my thoughts are about that particular thing. So when I'm driving around in my, um, in my driving school car, I, I'll be looking, at, I'll be casing, oh, that, gee, that, because I know, I know the type, we know the type of car we want, we know, and we've done research and we've just looked and, and now I'm just waiting for someone to give me 15 or 20,000 so I can go and get it. So if any of you feel led to do that, I'm open. No. So you, I'm looking. I'm go, so my head is full of my idea about what I want. I know it's just a, it's a trivial example, but it's true. We, our minds are consumed by things that, that we want, our plans. So I'm looking at, oh, yeah, that, that would that be cool. Look at that. Oh, I could do that to it. Or it's just, so sometimes I think when God gets small and, and we get bigger, doesn't matter what situation we're in, if it's a crisis or what it is, our thoughts grow bigger and we think about how we're going to work out the situation more. So we put a lot more energy into what we're thinking and our plans and how we're going to weave our way through that um, because God's small. Number three, we turn inward. When something comes that is big for us, we turn inward. We become more about how that big thing is affecting us. Life gets big. Life is big. But it tends, when we turn inward, becomes bigger. And God just becomes smaller. We become all about how life's affecting us. Number four, we withdraw. Who does that? No hands, that's good. We withdraw from God firstly and we withdraw from healthy family and healthy community. In other words, we, we stop becoming known. We stop becoming known. Last night we had some, and this is not the only time that's happened for me this week, I've spent a lot of time this week with, with people and that's, that can be unusual for me because I'm not an extremely people-orientated person. Um, my wife takes that role in our marriage. Um, my kids always say, used to always say, Dad, when are we going? Or Dad, where's Mum? And the first question I'd say, you need to talk to your mother. And the second question, I go, she would be talking to someone somewhere because that's what she does. Um, so we stop becoming known. So I, last night we had some, um, some great people over, some friends over, and we were talking and we were becoming known to each other. Friday night I met with some, um, a couple of guys and we were chatting about some things and we were, I was, if I can just talk personally, I became known to them about something that I was questioning in, in my life and my circumstance. So I said, I just want to talk to you about that and just so I become known, so I'm not trying to work that out for myself. So it's, we, we get, we, <laughs> when God becomes small, we withdraw and we, we just stop becoming known. 
We stop beca- firstly, we stop becoming known to him. It's good to talk about God, about the details of our life. We, can, we often talk about the big things and ask him the big questions, but what about the details that are going on in our life? So we just become unknown. And number five, people become more important. What they think becomes more important than what God thinks. So people um, become the dictator in our lives. Now some of us don't um, struggle with anything to do with fear of man and I don't understand that <laughs> because I struggle with that. That's a big struggle of mine for a lot of my life. People's opinions are very, have become very high in me. So when, if God gets small in my world, then what people think, what my wife thinks, what my friends think, what um, um, leaders would think, becomes really a lot more important to me than what God thinks. And that's because God has become small in my world and he's not big. So we do. We, we, we make God small. So that first part of that verse in Psalm 20 talks about some trust in chariots and some in horses. God is small. What happens if God becomes big? What happens when God gets big and I or you get small? How does that happen? Who makes that happen? Well, we do again. We make him small, but we have the capability to make him big because he already is big. He's a big God, but we confine him so that we can have control and power in our lives. But what happens if we want God to get big? Well, these things we, we, we need to understand, that circumstances don't rule. What happens in your life doesn't rule the outcome of your life because God's bigger than any circumstance that you are in. We look for and acknowledge that God answers prayer. I want you to think about times in your life that God has actually answered prayer. He answers lots of prayer. Lots of times it's not answered in the way that we would want because that's when God's small. We're asking him to answer a prayer in what, how we want. But when he's big, we're just asking him for stuff and we're trusting that he's going to answer it. And he's going to answer it the way that he wants to answer it. Because why? Because he's good and he's God. So if he's big, we can trust him and we can look for ways that he answers prayer. In the last um, six months of our life, we've prayed lots of things about our lives' situations and we've seen God answer prayer, but it's not always been the way that we would want him to answer prayer. But he's still answering it. All the time. And so when God is big, I'm not going, well, God, you need to do this for me this way. I can ask for that, but God's going to answer prayer the way that he wants because he's God. He's just going to do that. And it's God's money. It's God's money and we look to him for it and in it. If God owns the cattle on a thousand... My dad used to quote that all the time. My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's a good old Pentecostal, my dad. And he would look to God for it and in it. 
So we look to God for our finances because he supplies, but we look for God in it to help us manage that well. And that he is with us in our sin and our suffering. He's with us in our sin and our suffering. We're not alone. When God's big, he is with us. And instead of fearing people, when God's big, we can fear him. We can fear God. What can we do? Number one, well, instead of not listening, we can incline our ear to Jesus. What's it mean to incline your ear? It means we attune. We want to hear him. We're listening for his voice. Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. What does that say? It says something about how God wants to have a conversation with us. And God doesn't always want to speak in a loud voice. When you have, when you're in close, intimate conversation with someone, are you yelling? No, we're in, we're in conversation. So when you sit around, I know probably sometimes your children yell, but when you're sitting around the dining table, it's not, it's not a yell fest, it's a conversation that you're having where people are talking about their lives. That's why I think that scripture says, I will come in and eat with him. That just immediately talks about we're going to be sitting together and we're going to be having a meal and we're going to be having some rich conversation. Rich conversation. And he with me. At our place we've got one of Emma's friends gave her a like a fire pit. So the last couple of weekends we've we've um, had people down and we've sat around that. It's just been when you're not breathing in smoke, it's just really great. You have really good conversation. It's warm. It's just really good. And I imagine what I thought about that last night after our friends went home. I imagine imagine if if Jesus came and sat around the fire with you and was just talking communing with you. That's rich. So when we incline our ear to him and we listen, that's what he wants. He wants to have rich conversation with us. He wants us to talk about whatever we want to talk about so that he can be with us in our conversation. Sometimes I think we, we have a, a list, a prayer list and we're walking up and down a room or something or we're shouting out to God and we can do those things and those things are great, but also sometimes it's great for us to just sit with Jesus and commune with him because that's rich and he talks to us. If you want to know what God's saying to you, open that to any page and he'll talk to you because that's his word and that's rich. That's rich. Open that to any page and he'll talk to you. If, he's, if we 
if we view that God's big and he can do, then he'll talk. He wants to talk to us. He wants to speak to us out of scripture. Number two, live in God's plan. What's God's plan? It's simple, God's plan. God's plan is to bring people into relationship with him and restore them to be fully human. That's not a complicated plan, is it? God's plan is to bring people into relationship with him and restore them to be fully human. That's what God's about. That's what he wants to do. Proverbs 16.9 talks about in his heart a man's plans, a man plans his course, but God determines his steps. If you sit and think, are you operating in God's plan? Well, first we'd need to be listening so God can talk about his plan. If his plan is about restoring people to true humanity, that's his plan. That's what he wants to do. And I'm praying and God puts Linda on my heart to pray for her and then out of that he might say, I want you to go and visit her. Am I fulfilling God's plan? Yeah, I am. I am. God didn't say, oh, he might. And if he did, that would be exciting. He didn't say, I want you to go and stand on the street corner and preach the gospel. He might say that. And if he did say that, that would be a challenge. But if I wanted to be obedient, I would do that. But when it's about restoring people, we just need to be attuned so that he can talk to us about people because people are his purpose. We're looking for a, a grand scale. I mean, I used to, when God, when God called me um, to ministry and then I went and pastored a church, I just had a, I had a grandiose plan that God was going to build this great big church full of people who knows what I was going to do with them because I was just still an immature, you know, I was. But that was my grand plan. But, but in the end, it wasn't a big church full of a lot of people. It was a small church full of broken people just like me. And he called me to minister to them. It's a good question to ask ourselves. Are we operating in God's plan? Because it's not, it's, not, it's not for a selected few people, like I have to be a pastor, so I'm operating in God's plan. No, you have to be saved by his amazing grace and experience the mercy of God upon your life and then you are in his plan right there because he's about you giving away what he's given you. Amen? Amen. Turn outward, number three. The world is full of people that need Jesus. Everyone my eyes look at this morning needs Jesus. And when I walk out of this door, if Sue and I walked out and went up to Carl's Supermarket at Highfields, then everyone we pass needs Jesus. Look outward. The world is full of people that need Jesus. Romans three twenty three and 24. For all have sinned. Who? All. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God 
and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So turn outward. Become, become an agent of his grace. When we look inward, we, we're, not, we're not an agent of his grace. We're just trying to work out our stuff, which we should be taking to him anyway. But become an agent of his grace. Turn outward. Number four, connect in. Move toward God and healthy family and community. Don't withdraw, connect in. Why would church be a good thing? Because it's full of good community that we can actually connect in with and we can journey with. I was really blessed. I was really blessed last Saturday. Um, in our group, there's, there's a couple of guys that are not from the project, so they, they don't even know people. And then there's, there was one or two more that I just knew. But I was so blessed that, that those men just moved in straight away, just moved in community and became known and if they'd been people they might have been I don't know don't know but they might have been people that looked inward they might have been people that withdrew but they made a decision that I'm going to enter this and I'm going to move in and I'm going to connect in it's inspiring it's great to see that people would move in and connect in because they want God to be big in their lives. Sometimes we've got this bag full of stuff in our lives that we're just carrying around with us. We, we could never work out. So when we connect in, we have the opportunity to tip our bag out and just mess the floor up with it. God's big. What can a big God do with a mess that's on the floor? What can he do? He can piece it. He can pick it up and put it back together. Way better than it was in the bag. Connect in. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. Let us not give up meaning together. At every opportunity, we have an opportunity to connect in, connect in, connect to God, which we've already talked about, listening, connecting in and connecting with with um with healthy family and healthy community. Being in communi- community and becoming known is a real blessing. It's a real blessing. Sometimes becoming known can be scary, but if you become known, then it becomes a blessing. Number five, God is everything. 
So when I talked about that people become more important, God's not, God's more important, but God's just everything. He's everything. He's ultimately important, but he's everything. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Does that talk about a small God? It's a big God. All things were created by him in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. We're sitting here because he's all things. So what's really amazing about God is that he is so big, yet he is so personal. God is so big. Everything operates because he said it could. And it would stop if he said it should stop. He's big. And yet he is so intimately personal that he would care about how my day today is or what are my hurts, what are my fears, what are my hesitations, what are my struggles, what is my, where am I sinning, where am I suffering. So big yet so personal. So personal. I want to talk, as I finish, about, um, about a, a story in the Bible. It's about David, Bathsheba, Uriah, Second Samuel 11 and 12. We won't go there necessarily, I just want to talk about it. David became king over Israel. That's big, to be king of a country. And yet at a time, like God was big for David, like David defeated the giant. God was, he, he believed that God could do all things. He had no fear. He was a 12-year-old boy. And this person was huge. And he knew that God would grant him victory. Yet there came a time when David actually committed adultery. And in that time, God just became small. Because instead of going to God with his sin, he began to work a plan. And the first part of his plan was to get because Uriah was out fighting battle, fighting a battle, to get him back and give him the opportunity to go home and to lie with his wife so because Bathsheba conceived. That didn't work. So then he he thought about plotting to kill Uriah and asked for him to be put at the front line where the fighting was the most fierce. 
So he committed adultery and he committed murder because Uriah was killed in the battle because of David's plan. And in the turn of all that, as that unfolded, um, with the prophet Nahum who come, and then David confessed his sin. And I want for us, as we're finishing, just to open our Bibles to Psalm 51. This was at the point... that David actually had become known. Actually, it was at the point that he'd become known. And he wrote this psalm. And it reads, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all of my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin." For I know my transgression, transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. A cry of a man's heart that just became known. And all of a sudden, God became big. God was small because David had tried to work it all out for himself so he he wasn't really listening. He put his focus and energy into what he wanted to do, his plan. I'm imagining he turned inward, he withdrew and he stopped becoming known. But all of a sudden, like it's God was small flip, God's big. And he prayed a prayer of repentance and he asked God to cleanse him. God's big, but so personal. So personal. I'm going to ask Chris to come up.
if um, there was a guy that wrote a song out of this psalm um, and his name was Keith Green. Put up your hand if you ever heard Keith Green. Just get on faith and sing. Just by, if you ever want to read a transformative autobiography, or a biography, not auto, because he didn't write it, because he died, you, you, you could read that. It is an amazing story, Keith Green. And his music was a huge part of my youth um, when I was growing up. But even more so, I guess, of recent, um, when, when I've needed... I've needed God to be to be big. And I, I haven't always viewed him as big. There's been situations in my life over the last six months when I've heard news and I have a, and one happened this week or the end of last week, one of those, I can't remember. I'm fifty seven, I can't remember everything. Um happened and like it's like an immediate thing that God just becomes small in my world and I just go into um, a high anxiety mode of trying to play out so many scenarios in my mind that I can't even function in my, in my, in my work. A few times I've nearly had to say to the poor teenager that's sitting beside me, I'll have to drop you home because I can't, I can't can't do this now thankfully I haven't done that and eventually I come to the place where I go hang on a minute <laughs> if I try to work this out every every place that I look it just it doesn't have a good end this doesn't and so it just amplifies my anxiety and I need to be able to look to God and I've played this song because I have a copy of it because I really like Keith Green. Um, and so yesterday I, I rang Chris and he's only young. But he, um, we found it on YouTube and, he, and he's going to play it and sing it this morning. I was just wondering whether we could stand together. And are the words going to go up on the screen? The words are going to go up on the screen. And we could... It's really simple, and lots of you probably know it. Um, but we're going to sing that. And I just want, as, as we're singing, I just want you to look and really acknowledge where God is small in your, in your life. What, what, what happens that makes God small? And I think we could repent of that. We, I think we could repent of that. Because the creator of all doesn't, doesn't, doesn't deserve to have a small place in any part of our world. He deserves to be big because he's big. He saved you and me from certain death. And he's so merciful and so grace-filled. Like we would think, I've heard people say I've sinned too bad to be forgiven. 
It's just, it's just not possible with God because he's so graceful and so merciful. So I think if, if God talks to you and identifies something, a place where you make God smile, I think it would be great if you just, between you and God, repented about that. 